0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post is a monthly membership club delivering awesome boxes of top-shelf goods from under-the-radar brands and small businesses. It's free to join. Every month, Bespoke Post introduces their members to cool new products, such as outdoor gear, barware, home and kitchen goods, clothing, and even oysters based on a preference quiz they fill out when signing up. Members are all about discovering cool new goods they probably wouldn't have found anywhere else and that spark their next hobby, experience, or conversation. They really prize high quality and value. Here's how it works. You'll get a box assigned to you at the start of each month based on your preferences, and before it's shipped, you'll get a preview of what's to come inside to decide if you like it. You can, one, keep it, two, swap it for a different box or offer, or three, skip the month entirely for absolutely no charge. You will only pay for what you want. The box lineup changes every month, so you will always have a chance to find something new you're really into. And there's always free shipping, easy returns, and no hassles ever. You can unbox something new every month in a club hundreds of thousands strong. To get 20% off of your monthly subscription to Bespoke Post, use code Casey and Ray20 at checkout. That's code Casey and Ray20 at checkout. Check it out, bespokepost.com, and use code Casey and Ray20 at checkout. Casey and ray two zero at checkout
1: this podcast is part of the deluxe edition network
0: to find other great shows on the network head over to deluxe edition network.com
1: that's deluxe edition network.com
2: and girls of all ages to another episode of the deluxe edition with casey and ray i am actually the co-host usually my name is ray and with me as always that guy over there man is he something special that is the real host of the show casey what's going on casey Ah, uh, we're having a day over here Ray. how about you i'm having a hell of a good day over here
0: yeah, this was uh this was a real fun episode, man. Thank
2: you for taking the reins on this one, man. I I, I learned a lot on this. See, this was an easy one for me because if there's one thing I know, it's musicians and gimmicks in music. <laughs> and this guy had both of those going on today. Uh good dude. Love talking to him too. Yeah, this was
0: fun, man. Thank you for uh forgetting this guy. Jason fucking V. Yeah, of the Jasons.
2: Yeah. Good just all around fun guy to talk to today and for for those of you like casey who are like what the fuck do i want to hear about punk rock for dude knows wrestling too yeah he does so there you go yeah that was fun man that was fun for me yeah You, you want to get the house cleaning out of the way so we can get to this one yeah let's do it man all right we are
0: a part of the deluxe edition network to find all of the other great shows on the network head over to deluxe edition network.com and uh, every month we have podcasts of the month and this month those podcasts are our friends the beard laws and take on the world go check them out on youtube and anywhere else you listen to podcasts if you'd like to see all of our other shows Go over to edition. show and find out what's happening over there. I have all of the upcoming shows listed as well. Go check out Ray over on our Instagram page. He handles all the Instagram duties at Deluxe edition Pod. What kind of stuff are you doing over there on Instagram, Ray? The
2: usual birthday posts, movie posts, memes, any crap I can think of to throw up there to help our algorithm, you know, get up there with uh, the big boys on that thing, you know, cause that's how it works. I guess you got to put up uh, 87 posts and hope somebody likes them. Yeah. You know? right. What are you going to yeah,
0: go check it out? There's some cool stuff over there. And if you'd like to support our show, you can buy a t-shirt over at what a slash collections slash deluxe dash edition. We have deluxe edition t-shirts and also deluxe edition network t-shirts over there. Come check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash deluxe
2: edition pod. And Ray, I think you have bootleg merch somewhere. Oh Yeah, you can go over to 10 cent beer night podcast on T Public and get yourself some bootleg merchandise. Most of it's deluxe edition. You can get my 10 cent stuff over there, too. But today I have a very special request. I would like everybody to head over to the Jason's Instagram page and like them head over, get some of their merch. So that uh, they'll tell all their friends how cool we all are. And then they'll send some more people on the show.
0: Yeah. And if you have any requests, suggestions, anything, email us at deluxe pod at gmail.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere that
2: we get messages. So anything
0: else, right?
2: I think that covers everything. Let's get to the interview. I like this interview. This is fun yeah all right here is our interview with jason fucking v hey everybody please welcome to the show a musician that i happen to really love jason fucking v of the jasons
1: what's up fellas how's it going thanks uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it
2: oh that's our pleasure man so uh when you guys first started out how'd you come up with this idea
1: Um, you know, man, like, uh, so we were in other, uh, punk bands, some of us, uh, at the time and stuff. And, uh, the Jason's kind of started as like a little side project idea. Um, and it really just came from, I was looking at the Ramones one day and like, without, you know, being offensive because, you know, the Jason's would break my heart to, to be offensive to anybody. But like, I was looking at the Ramones and I was like, they kind of look like retarded brothers, right? They kind of look like mongoloid brothers. And then I thought, well, Jason's kind of like a mongoloid. So wouldn't it be funny if, you know, someone did a Ramones project where they were all like, you know, wearing hockey masks and just singing about basically the same stuff. And it just, it was like a stupid, funny idea. And um, it turned out uh, to be something that caught a lot of uh, fucking momentum because we mixed, you know, Two famous things, the, the Ramones and Jason Voorhees, and uh, people automatically took to it because they go like, yo, I know what that is. It's fucking Joey Ramone wearing a leather jacket. So that's how we got here, man. Not It wasn't a grand scheme. It was a dumb idea, and uh, it's yielded 10 years worth of, uh, <laughs> of music for us, you know.
2: Yes, that was uh, 2015 that first uh, album came out
1: 2013 was our first record okay.
2: okay so that's that's the the jason's album
1: yeah yeah
2: okay so uh who wrote most of the songs on that album
1: um so uh very very minimally known uh jason's fact here actually so the original jason's started 5 years prior to the 2013 with that idea that i had uh, i started the band with myself and two other dudes who uh, would end up not being in the band. We recorded a whole record. Five songs were written by me. Two songs were written by the drummer. And uh, then we broke up without ever releasing that record. It was like internal beef and stuff, right? But it was my idea. And uh, for five years, man, it just kept cranking <laughs> around in my head. And I, you know, no matter what I did with other bands, I was always like, man, I should do that fucking Jason's thing. So finally I met... Somebody that I felt like would be a good musical partner, Jason 3D, who's been in the band with me since the beginning. And I said, dude, I always I had this idea. So we took my five songs. We never did anything, obviously, with the drummer's old songs. They were good songs, but we you know, he wasn't involved. So um, and then I wrote a couple more and I messaged Jason 3D and I said, like, yo, here's my idea. You want to do this? We found a drummer. And, like, a month later, we recorded the, the the real Jason's record in Parma, Ohio, with a guy named Ryan Sullivan. He was in an old band called Vent. He recorded us for free. We recorded in, like, one or two days. And uh, it, then we had our record. We released it. So, like, when the Jason started, man, it was like we formed. We played, like, two shows we released the record and it was all within like, you know, just a few months. And, um, like I said, the momentum of this project shot past everything else we were doing. Uh, and it was totally just a fucking dumb idea that I had and couldn't get rid of for like you know, five years.
2: Yeah, well, when you got songs on that album, like, uh, Shelly's got shit for brains, which obviously is about the character from part three. Yeah. And then you got uh, What is it? Mommy got beheaded by a bimbo yeah like i mean these are great lyrics
1: (laughs) yo thanks it's almost like um you know i looked at the friday the 13th universe and uh one of the things that i thought was like really cool about that universe at least the first six after the first six when i think new line took over it became something different but The kids in those movies, you know, like are incredibly cool and relatable and they feel like they have lives outside of the movie. So in our genre, which, you know, in the beginning, it was Ramone's core and still is to some degree. But like, you know, you got like you take a band like Screeching Weasel or the Queers and they have songs like, you know, Cindy's on Methadone. Or, uh, you know, like songs like that, right? So they, it's just a random person and they do this. It's old, old school. You know, Ramones did it too. Susie was a headbanger. Judy is a punk. And I was like, yo, very easily can we be, Shelly's got shit for brains. You know, Tina's got telekinesis. So it just it just kind of made sense in the, in the canon of Ramones core that we write songs about, like, people outside of Jason. You know, a lot of it's from Jason's perspective, but, I don't know, man, like that universe is very like fertile for writing about interesting and dumb characters, you know, and, and we could a lot of our songs now aren't necessarily about Friday the 13th like they used to be. They're all tied in and connected in ways, but like you could write about that universe forever, man, like, you know, Demons Got the Shits could be its own song, you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, so as you guys progressed from that first record to the most recent stuff, like the Jarvis House and Blood in the Streets, yeah. uh, musically, you guys have gotten a lot better.
1: <laughs> Thank you. We agree, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it definitely has like that 90s, like you talked about uh screeching Weasel, the queers, a little yeah. bit of teenage bottle rocket sound to it now. For sure. uh, how do you think you guys got to that place?
1: Well, like, honestly, man, like, you're right. Like, musically, you know, we've gotten better. And that's because, like, I always said, there's two types of bands in the world. There's a band that will strategize their music for years and years and years and hone and perfect it and make sure everything sounds right, make sure they do everything the correct way. And then there's the Jasons. And the Jasons, we went, we suck real bad, but we got a cool idea and we got catchy songs. And it's like, I always felt like the the audience will forgive you for sucking in terms of not playing your instruments. Great. As long as you got something that's like a good hook or something that's interesting or cool. I mean, you know, that Ramon's first record is magic. It's not fucking virtuoso shit though. So like we, you know, I had been playing guitar and singing for a long time. 3d had been playing bass and, you know, uh, uh stuff for a little while, but we just allowed ourselves, you know, the uh, leeway to get better as we played and yo know, no without like a doubt there were probably 3 to 4 years where the jason sucked real fucking bad live our drummer you know he could play 16th notes but he couldn't play his fucking foot jason hell just couldn't fucking do it man and he had to learn through playing and uh you know by the time we put out get fucked which was like our uh, master of puppets like we finally were like in the groove to where maybe just a little bit the sound was as cool as the gimmick, you know? And I think now, like, you know, I've learned a lot about playing and singing. So is 3D. We have two musicians with us uh, in the band now on uh, guitar and drums, Hell and Hollywood, who are like legitimately great musicians. And like, uh, for real, as soon as we got them, it leveled the band up too, you know? So like, we just allowed ourselves to suck in public. (laughs) It was like, whatever, man, it's, it's punk rock. And, um, you know, so the songs got different not because necessarily we were trying to play different, but we got better. So we could do more, you know, now our, our trajectory is we want to play something outside of what the Ramones are. We want to play a little bit more eighties, heavy metal influenced. We want to play a little bit more, like you said, you know, Ramones versus Screeching Weasel, two very different things, especially when you listen to modern Screeching Weasel, because that's really high quality shit. And the Jarvis House, I appreciate, too, that you, you mentioned the Jarvis House. I mean, that's a good seven inch that's never been like released on anything else. But I for my song on that one, I wanted it to sound like modern day Screeching Weasel, like, you know, First World Manifesto Screeching Weasel. So, yeah, 100 percent. You're like exactly right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Screech and Weasel, Queers fan. I mean, I have uh the back of the Queer seven inch for Surf Goddess tattooed on my chest. Little Island cat. I'm I mean, I'm huge into that stuff. And I'm so I'm so glad you guys moved that direction. Yeah. Uh because like Screech and Weasel is the same kind of band. They sucked when they started. They
1: did,
2: yeah. And <laughs> they got way better too, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know
2: I don't want Ben to punch me in the face or nothing for saying that, but you know right. it's true
1: yeah no you're right man like that first weasel record sucks but there was just enough you know on there that you go like man they like that it's stuck in my head a little bit you know and i think you know not that we're fucking the you know the new screeching weasel but i do think our our songs are catchy enough that like you know they people forgave us you know not being able to play as great you know and like Honestly, now man, like when we go to play live, um, whether it's all like, you know, being delusional or whether it's true, I'm like, we're better than every fucking band in this place. And that was even when we played with the queers. I was like, we're gonna they're gonna have to fucking work to play as good as us. That's not my me bragging. That's just me being like, yo, I'm confident that we can do our three chord bullshit at a high level. I'm a better down picker than Ray Bottle Rocket. He can suck my cock. I'm not as good as Cody Lillington. But I'm getting there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you gotta, you know, we, I feel like we've at least leveled up to that level. We're certainly better than the Mr. T experience ever was. So,
2: oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. So, uh, you talked about get fucked there for a minute. That's the uh, the album that has uh, "I Want to Be an Asshole" on it. Yeah, uh, that's like your guy's signature like song on YouTube. You know, that's the one everybody finds real quick. Yeah. Is that like a blessing and a curse? Because it's kind of different than a lot of the other stuff you do.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, total. If it's anything, it's a fucking blessing. Like we, uh, I wrote that song only as a, you know, that the Menzingers had that song. I don't want to be an asshole anymore, and they had Jason in their video. And I just thought it'd be funny to make like a response song. And at the time, you know, that was uh, during the the time when like Donald Trump was like he was still not like. We, they weren't sure. Is he running as a, is he a joke? But we like latched onto that and put that kind of imagery in our video. And it was real, like, uh, I guess, intriguing to people because it we we intentionally made it unclear. Like it was just like, not for, not against. We just went, Oh, this is something that's in the news. Let's put that in our fucking video. So in the video, I'm in a suit and we're doing a presidential rally. And I took a candy from a baby. And so I think at the time, like a lot of people found it. And like now I think that video has, uh, it has like 70,000 views. If you go on like Spotify, it's our number one listened to song. And, um, you know, there's that middle part where I was real like fucking frustrated with pay to play. I was frustrated with crowdfunding. I was frustrated with, you know, people like trying to be super PC about punk rock and being angry at Ben Weasel. So I just aired all my grievances, and I feel like a lot of punks were like, "Yeah, man, fuck that shit." Like, and I think that's where they latched on to it. But I'm happy, like, if somebody finds that song, the fact that a, it's confusing as to what side of the fence we're on. That's what we're about. We don't, we want to fucking. Our target is everybody. We have, we have no allegiances. We we have no friends out here. We're fighting everybody. I, so if somebody finds that song. I think that gives them like a good uh, understanding of what the Jasons are. Like where Gigi Allen, you know, back when he said like, my music is the uh, gun. How the fuck did he say it? My, my music's the gun. My lyrics are the bullets and the audience is the target. That's, that's us too, man. And so if someone finds that, I feel like at least they know what the Jasons are about. And so, no, man, I mean, that song for us has been massive. That record was massive for us. Like, we're okay with understanding that Get Fucked will forever be the record that most people fell in love with, the one that is listened to the most. Um, Because, you know, most bands would kill for a record like that. You know, I think, uh, you know, again, I call it our master of puppets. Clearly, we're not making Metallica money. But to have a record that people are like, yo, this is like the record that fucking changed it for me. Like, that's cool. You know, we're glad for that. So total blessing, never a curse, never a curse.
2: So, uh, in that regards, you also released an album called Get Sued. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, the one thing I want to say about this, and then I'm going to let you explain it because yeah. it's, it's a very confusing record. Because I played a lot of Ramones' covers and Misfits' covers, yeah. And to sing different lyrics over that music had to be tough not to slip up.
1: Oh, my god, it was uh it's a total mind fuck and uh for anybody that hasn't listened to it long story short we were asked to play a ramones cover show every band plays three or i'm sorry a misfits cover show every band plays three misfits covers and we agreed to do it but we don't like the misfits that much we like the ramones so we didn't practice and then it comes the night of the show and we're going well we didn't practice those fucking misfit songs what are we going to do in the jason's uh mentality calling the show off is never part of it i only ever call the show off one time is because i had covid i would have played but you can't right at the time so instead we thought okay what ramones songs do we know we know a bunch so i was like i'm pretty sure if you guys just don't listen to what I'm singing and go out there and play these Ramon songs. I can sing Misfits lyrics over it. And it'll be a big, like, fuck you to people. So that's what we did. We took uh, you know, Blitzkrieg bop. And if we started playing it and I started singing like, so instead of Hey Ho Let's Go, Helene Delam is a name from Return of the Fly. We started chanting that and we just injected the lyrics and we made it through three songs and it was just a dumb joke. There's a video on YouTube. You can watch the footage. But it worked. And then forever, people kept going, dude, you need to record that shit. It was like, you know, Misfits, uh, Ramon's songs with Misfits lyrics. That's crazy. So we had 500 bucks in the bank account. Uh, and we I was just like, yo, 3D, let's go record that record. And we did. We thought, hey, this is funny. We'll use the Ramon's skull or the Ramones uh, seal on the Misfits skull. We'll call it Get Sued. And maybe we'll get sued. And lo and behold, we didn't get sued until later in our career. We're making more money. We're getting more attention, and we put it out on vinyl. And we did, in fact, get a cease and desist from fucking Jerry fucking Only himself, who stole the fucking Crimson Ghost logo and then got upset when we used it. But And that's the thing. If you want to understand how that band works, because Jerry Only is a fucking cock, and Glenn Danzig sucks, and they hate each other. And all they care about is money. Doyle's an asshole too. We played with him. Um, it's hollow and it's shameful and it's dudes getting up there and putting on spandex with other dudes that they hate to make money anyway. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Ah, that's great. (laughs) When they finally sued us or, you know, their lawyer, who's a Harvard fucking educated lawyer, by the way, we looked her up. Um, when they finally like cease and desisted us, it wasn't for the music because they couldn't, I don't think because we fucking mixed it. Right. So they couldn't, uh, which is which, but they sued us for like imagery. And they said that the reason we had to cease and desist was because the way we had branded it, that someone could mistake it for actually being them, but it wasn't about the music. It was about the imagery of the crimson ghost, which they stole. Um, and so that's what we got sued for or got cease and desisted for. But it was, uh, you know, and again, I'm not upset that we did. We wanted that. Like we were like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened because if the misfits are punching down at the Jason's, we made a little, some kind of Mark. We're never playing Madison square garden, but we've got a Jerry only cease and desist. And it was, it was Jerry only's company Cyclopean music, not Glenn Danzig. So for all I know, Glenn Danzig could be cool, but fuck him too. Cause he sucks. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what we wanted. So that record can never be re-released with that cover. so people were scalping it for a couple hundred bucks on discogs and like it's everything we ever fucking hoped and prayed for, man
2: <laughs> so so does that mean we're gonna get a kiss mashup out of you guys next?
1: We have talked about it. We kiss is like our favorite band and we've uh we did a lick it up cover for a while. so we we did think about doing like get sued again and doing kiss no no yeah, you're totally right. You know? <laughs> we totally <laughs> thought. About
2: who would be the other band, though? That's the problem.
1: You know, the, the only thing I, I would say it always has to be Ramones and Kiss, so or it has to be Ramones and someone else. Because at our core, we're Ramones core, you know. And so, you know, I think Kiss music with Ramones like stylings or with Ramones music, Kiss lyrics, Ramones music would be perfect. Um, like I said, we were we've already done a few Kiss covers. Uh, we covered "Lick It Up" and um, "Thou Shalt Not." and um yeah so it, it's possible man if we get super bored enough after this next record drops and we need something to record we we actually might do that so yeah
2: that would be cool yeah uh, so how long do you think it'll be till you run out of ideas for for friday the 13th songs because i know you guys already did the freddies
1: <laughs> yeah we did um <laughs> Yeah, we, we, uh, well, and that was again like not really planned, but people kept going, I'm gonna start a band called the Freddies, ha ha ha. And we <laughs> were so tired of that joke that we said, let's just start the Freddies. So we did that. We, we just re recorded our lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I've tried when I write the songs for this band to like pace myself because I know like Friday the 13th shit is gonna run out. And so, like, and actually, you know, like, people always ask me, like, but I'm not really a Friday the 13th super fan or anything, man. It was just, that's what happened to pop into my head with this. So our band, honestly, is a satire of marketing. You know, it always has been. It's like, you know, marketing as in the way that Kiss markets themselves, marketing an image. You know, the get sued thing is is no exception. So our next record, it's, uh, it's called Saint and Sells clearly uh we've become fake Satanists for this record. because what sells now is fake Satanists. every mom out here who's bored wants to be a witch and goes and buys a black craft uh cult t-shirt and black metal. i'm a big black metal fan but it's tr- it's old and it's fucking everybody loves it because evil and darkness and nobody's offended anymore but you know our whole thing is like the new record it's almost a statement about marketing we're going to become fake saintness and you're going to fucking buy it because it's it's edgy when you're 40 years old and you think you want to scare somebody but the upside down cross is no fucking different than a fucking emoji now nobody gives a fuck but so we're kind of taking our new direction as like a statement on marketing a statement on like you know pop culture subculture But we got to make sure we have a few, like, you know, Friday the 13th songs. We got a song called uh, Fuck the Teddy Bear, which is about, you know, Ted. You don't want to give Teddy Bear a kiss. Uh, We got a song about him. And there's, like, maybe at least one other one that's Friday the 13th related. But um, we try not – like, for me, the Jasons is more a band that's a statement on branding and a statement on marketing. And, like, you know, Kiss is the best example ever, man. I mean – Oh, yeah. You know, I when I was a kid, I remember thinking Kiss is the heaviest band in the world. Meanwhile, they're singing shit like, you know, Mom, that's the kind of sugar papa likes on Peter solo. <laughs> it, it's not heavy, but, you know, you see something and you think, holy fuck, this is it, right? You know, so, yeah, man, I, there's a lot of road left in Friday the 13th, but I don't want to burn it out. So,
2: yeah. When are you going to put that new album out?
1: Um... So we got about six songs ready. We've already uh, started playing our title track, which is called um, Satan's Cell." And uh, by the way, for a Kiss fan, there's a there's a song on there called "Knights in Satan Service" too, um, which is an homage to you know back in the day, every uh, like evangelistic preacher would tell you that Kiss stood for Knights in Satan Service because they're Satan worshippers. Clearly, that was not true. Um, but uh, we're we'll probably looking at next year. I think uh, we've got a bunch of other projects. We're in other bands. And uh, so this year we're working on records for at least two other bands. And then 2024 is going to be when our record drops. But so we are putting out a single on Mom's Basement Records, like a, uh, a like a 12-inch maxi single of Satan Cells, like the title track, a live version. You know, like they used to do the old school, like 12-inch singles.
2: Now, a lot of people are going to want that. I know you're a big fan of the Hatchet uh, movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your collection of goodies you've uh, bought on on online for that?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so when uh, I love, you know, the good old Red Blood American Slasher movie. And um, I, I just thought Hatchet was brilliant. I thought Adam Green's a great director. And, you know, when it came out, like I was just on uh, eBay one day and I saw hatchet screen used props like popped up and i was like well what the fuck so i i saved the auction and then it like disappeared immediately um but i had the guy's like username so i messaged him and he said i said what do you got from this movie and he's like i got everything what do you want right so I said, well, I want, clearly I want everything. And so uh, long story short, I ended up with a uh, screen used hatchets. You know, the lady that gets her face like ripped open. Yeah.
0: We I, had her on the podcast, Patricia Dorba.
1: Mrs. Primatio. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. ended up with that prop. <laughs> nice. uh, I ended up with Robert England's legs. I ended up with Victor Crawley's face and teeth and eyeball and his bodysuit And, you know, This guy promised me that he would get me uh, certificates of authenticity. But as the deal went on, man, it got weirder and weirder and shadier and shadier. And turns out this stuff was acquired through, we'll just say, like, ill-gotten. You know, it wasn't acquired the way that it should be. And so that kind of sucked, and I always bummed me out. And uh, many years later, I would meet Adam Green. And I, you know, tell him the story and he basically like confirmed a lot of things, cleared it all up for me. And also totally said, like, I said, dude, I have everything. Let me give it back to like its rightful place. And Adam Green was like, man, I'm just happy that a collector who loves it got it. I'm glad a fan got it. So, it, you know, my my journey through that series, getting those props, because I believed it was the, the new best slasher. I still think it's one of the greats, man. But I learned that Adam Green is a really cool motherfucker because he, like, took the time to send me a big, long email and explain everything. And I met him in person and gave him some Jason's records. So, like, you know, it was like, you know, you love something like that. I really do, you know, love those sort that movie specifically. And um, it was, like, crushing when I found out that I got some stolen shit because it was like, you know, my hatchet says to Adam Green, you know, from... Uh, Or I'm sorry, to John Beekler from Adam Green, right? So, like, it clearly was like, it was always like, how did I get this shit? Well, the dude was, it was shady. But, you know, everything's cool. Adam Green knows about it. He cleared everything up. Uh, He gave me his blessing. But, uh, yeah, it was the most anxious time in my life. I was sending $1,000 a month to this guy. And it was like every time I sent him stuff, I didn't know what was going to show up. And he held the hatchet till the very end and i finally got it you know but um that was the last of my movie memorabilia collecting it was like i i really just like i was like good after that you know
2: so uh pork chop 3d yeah yeah vincent renfield does appear in that movie
1: he does yeah
2: uh is there any memorabilia from that movie that you've managed to get your hands on
1: what I have from pork three d, nothing super cool. Um, that was like a one day. Uh, I'll speak for my friend Vincent Rinfield here. That was a one day shoot. Um, all I had to do was uh, run around and pretend to kill people, but i got um I got an original artist sketch of the the pork chop mask, and there's a scene in. Now I'm I'm spacing out cuz Vincent Renfield my friend Vincent Renfield was also in Pig Girl and yeah. there's these like little pig masks and I got one of those but I can't remember if it's from Pork Chop or Pig Girl but I didn't get a whole lot of cool stuff other than like a bunch of memories and uh, all they all they paid me to do that was uh, a jar of salsa <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and it was like that was their sponsor, Blue Smoke Salsa. I'll shout out. I don't know if it's still a thing. Blue Smoke Salsa. And I got one free jar. (laughs) Was it good? You know, I I don't even think I ate it. I think it just (laughs) got broken in transit or something. I don't know.
2: We also got a really cool video from the Renfields for uh, the Pork Chop song. Uh, That's a great video. People should check that out, too
1: yeah and I will say, uh if you want my thoughts on that video, it's a cool video it was not shot by us or it was like somebody shot it and just posted it. That's not even an official video, but a lot of the uh a lot of the footage from that with two things had happened in that footage. So I stand by that as a cool song and a cool video, but at the time, I had just got done like playing pork chop, right? So when you get to play pork chop, the guy calls me. He goes, yo, you want to play pork chop? I was like, fuck yeah! What do I need to do? He said, I need you to like gain like fifty pounds. He said, I need you to eat Twinkies every day. So I fuck did. And then we play the pork chop premiere. And like a week before, I go to this woman to get my devil lock cut. Right, give me a better devil lock. Right, and she's real old. And I said, yo, I need you to give me a double lock like Glenn Dazing." And she looks at me like deer in the headlights. No fucking clue. And I said, you know, short in the back, long in the front. And I see the little wheels turning. And all of a sudden, she goes, oh, like a girl. And I was like, sure, whatever. Like a fucking girl. Just cut my hair, right? So she cuts my hair like a Karen, like spiky in the back long devil lock in the front that's when I realized the devil lock is just a Karen haircut for like you know <laughs> so in that video if you watch it if you guys you know play it on your show I'm about you know 750 pounds I got in, and I got a Karen haircut and I'm no kidding man I got that haircut and I walked into Walmart like to get something and a kid like probably 15 16s walking through the aisle and he looked at me and just fucking laughed in my face I (laughs) i went oh no something's wrong and yeah something was definitely wrong so in that video you know it's cool but they use the footage where i'm like you know pork chopped up i got a girl's haircut you know but it's it's like whatever man you know like uh people still like that song and uh I'm glad I'm glad the video exists because I call that Vincent Jellyfield. That's what I call it. (laughs) You know.
2: So uh, so you did a split with the queers, as we mentioned before. How'd that go? Did you have fun doing that one?
1: Man, that was uh, for us a game changer uh, because like, you know, I, I can't say, you know, like You know, it's weird, man. You know, we talk about the Jasons being a thing that's like based on marketing and stuff. And um, that was like weird social proof. You know, we've been grinding and playing punk rock in the same venues as a lot of these bands for years. I felt like we had already proved ourselves as a good Ramones core band. But it wasn't until Joe Queer befriended us just because he's a cool motherfucker, offered to have us come to his place, recorded us for free. And did that split that a lot of people in the scene started taking a serious like, Oh, well, they did a split with the queers. Their music is miraculously good now, you know? And I don't even think the songs on that, like the recording, maybe not even the best stuff we've ever done recording wise, but it's raw and it's cool. And so a, it was like social proof to a lot of people that need a more famous band to tell them that somebody's good. They got that. But what really was cool from that is uh, we saw who Joe Queer is as a human being. And for anybody who's fucking wondering, who, you know, maybe heard some internet rumors, he's one of the greatest human beings on the planet. And I don't just mean that because he's like boosted our band. I mean that because when we went on tour with them, I saw him give other young bands equipment. I saw him fucking pay for our hotel room because we're not getting paid dwarfs and queer money. I met several people and I'm not exaggerating, like numerous people who came up to me and said, yo, Joe Queer helped me get clean. Like Joe Queer, I was on heroin real bad 20 years ago and Joe gave me his phone number, like shit like that. So, you know, it it really like changed how we looked at touring because Joe taught us a lot about how to go on tour. And, you know, we had two examples. We had the Dwarves. And the queers. Now the dwarves are cool as fuck, all of them, right? Uh, but you know, we saw we saw that, which is kind of what you expect from a touring band, man. You know, everybody's getting, you know, Black's getting his own hotel room every night so he can hang out with his girlfriend. He's complaining because his voice don't hurt, and the dude was super cool, right? But I'm just saying, and then you got Joe Queer who's like, ah, fuck it, I'll sleep in the fucking van. You know, <laughs> like And we just went like, we want to be the fucking queers because this dude's out here like, you know, he's doing what we want to do, you know, and it's not like he's not living like a fucking rock star, but he's able to tour the world with his band and make enough money to make that possible. The other members like Hog Log and Ginger um, are amazing friends of ours. Like, so that split is cool. Um, you know, we got a few copies from the label. I didn't feel like the label really treated us the way they should have. Um, You know, there was always supposed to be more coming, though we never got more. But I just chalk it up to, like, you know, having a record out with the queers is a dream of ours. Um, But at the same time, like, we became friends with the queers. And we're talking about going down there in January to record more with the queers. I don't know if it's going to happen scheduling-wise, but, like, that's a band that took care of us in, in an amazing way. And I say it all the time. And it's true. I would fight somebody for Joe Queer's honor. I really would. I've seen it. I don't give a fuck what internet rumor you want to want to believe. I don't care what all the fucking PC warriors say. Joe Queer is a better person than most people in this fucking punk rock scene. And I would fight somebody for him. this fight, knife fight, choose your weapon. I'll do it.
2: <laughs> so uh, what's a band that you don't care for in the scene?
1: uh bands that i don't care for in the scene um it, i guess it depends which uh which scene you're talking about like if you're talking um ramon's core uh and i don't know if they uh i don't know if they count but we always like pick on Mast intruder and call him like the sissy pussy jason <laughs> um part of that is like picking on them because uh we want we want them to fucking fight back and they never will um i don't got beef with any of them by any means but those are the guys we pick on the most as far as in ramones core i like i said i never thought mtx was good i thought mr c experience was kind of lame um i don't like a lot of the sugary sweet bands like i don't think you should be in your 40s talking about holding the girl's hand you should be talking fucking her or something um if you're talking horror punk um, and I, I say we are not a horror punk band, but because of this mask shit we get it, put in there, I don't like any of them. And I'm not kidding. Like, I'm so tired of bands, you know, wearing. And this is ironic that I say this because, you know, Renfield, if I have to see one more band wearing bone gloves and singing doo wop bullshit, I <laughs> fucking poop, I can't take it. Now, there are a lot of bands that are cool as fuck, right? That play that kind of music. I hate that kind of music. I really and honestly, I hate to say it, but I kind of I'm not really a listener of like pop punk either, man. Like I, I can like listen to bands and be like, yo, that's pretty good. I fucking like that. In my own time, I don't listen to that stuff. Um, I think if you play it, you get you don't want to listen to it because then you rip it off. Like the other day, I was writing a song mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I'm really on to something. No, I wasn't. I was ripping off the horror section, which is a good fucking band, by the way. Um so yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, bands that we actively have beef with right now, um, I think it's mostly cleared up. We had beef with Blitzkid for a long time. Perceived but I don't really think uh, you know, I, I, it was like, I think we're past that stuff. Uh, the the one dude from Blitzkid asked us to play one of his events for free because uh, that's what he's doing after talking shit on us for years but we said uh, no, fuck you. Like, I don't think we have beef with any of those bands right now. Um, I'm picking every time we play live, I talk shit on TBR, Teenage Bottle Rocket, because they're the guys that are so high up at the top when you say like, yo, Teenage Bottle Rocket can suck my cock, everybody goes, Oh my god, and it's like, yeah, just fuck off. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to fight the people at the top, even if I really don't have beef, because I don't have beef with them. Cody Lillington's a, one of my favorite, he's a, an idol of mine. But, you know, I'm not going to suck his dick or anything out here because, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you start talking about like, oh, this guy's a legend. I'm lucky to be in his presence. Your band looks weak. That's why when we were touring with the queers, we shit on Joe Queer every single night. He knows we love him, but we're not going to fucking lay down for him, you know. I mean, I would lay down for Joe Queer and I'd just fight somebody. But most bands, I fucking wouldn't, you know.
2: That's funny. You know, most of that is is uh, the ones up here are just worried about who's coming up. Yeah. So yeah. they want to talk their shit. So you go ahead. You go after them. Make them make them talk their shit about you. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, man. And you know, like that's the thing. Like when I, uh, if if I feel like I'm not trying to like shit talk bands who are like not yet to our level. And dude, we've had to crawl ourselves up on our bloody fucking knuckles to get here. So like, I really don't have beef with anybody down there. But I I just feel like. You know, if you're and this is my would be my advice to another band is like don't thank anybody from stage. Don't talk about how great another band is when you're on stage. That's your time. And if somebody sees me sucking off another band, they're just gonna go listen to that band. If somebody sees me shit talking a band that's bigger than me, they're like, Yeah, he's probably just as big. It's not true, but yeah, they might think so, you know, fucking marketing shit.
2: That's right. All them bands underneath you right now are all talking shit about you. So don't worry about it.
1: Yo, no. and You know what I always said, like when a band fucking talks shit on us, like I don't get offended. Like we played with this band um, called The Jerks. Um, so there's Jerk and there's The Jerks. Both bands are cool, but there's a band called The Jerks and the dude they played before us. And the dude was like talking shit on us the whole time because he knows the Jason's. That's what you do when you play with the Jason's. And I was like, yo, that's fucking awesome. And then I was like, but I have to eviscerate them on stage. And I did, <laughs> but it's cool because like, I want, I want that. I want other bands to talk to you. Now, some bands will come in and be like, yo, we got this idea. We're going to do a split with you guys. And we're going to have this gimmick. And I'm like, no, you got to earn. If you want to have a fucking beef with us, you almost got to earn it. But, uh, Some bands have fucking earned it. So there we go. Savage Remains was one of those. They're R.I.P. That band's done. But uh, now the Manorovs are the band we're beefing with for pretend, but we love those guys.
2: Speaking of beef, uh, you guys did the split with U.S. Ghouls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's some funny shit on that where he's talking about you fucking up his bathroom. Is, Is that a real recording or is that fake?
1: Uh, that one is fake. Uh, that one's fake based on the clip on Get Fucked that said where we flushed the pizza down the promoter's toilet. Um, and uh, that I'll not confirm or deny as being true because I don't want to be uh, implicated. But uh, the U.S. Ghouls thing, man, it was weird because that was a band that just like it was never really a band. Like it was an idea. There was another band called Jason and the Krugers. Cool guys. And then, uh, this guy, Aaron Romero, who directed our first music video, the, the Kill That Girl one, the 8-bit one, he wanted to start a punk band and he like conceptualized this whole thing. And we just kind of sent the tracks in and he kind of masterminded all that shit. And then before it came out, the band was done. So there never was a U.S. Ghouls outside of that split that I know of, but you know, like it was like, it was a cool and interesting thing. And, um, it's just like a weird part of our discography where like, it really was kind of just like masterminded by that band. And we were like, fuck yeah, man, let's do it. And we still sell it. And we still, but I don't know that they ever sold physical copies. I don't know that they, I know they never toured. They never played shows it just like came and went, but it's cool. Cause it's just this like part of our like history, but that, that band has never done anything outside of that. So they exist in the Jason's cinematic universe, which it should have been the otherwise, you know,
2: that's cool. So on YouTube, you guys make all kinds of fun videos. Cause I've watched a bunch of them. And, uh, I think my favorite is the kissmas one. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah, fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, We uh, and we, you know, this year will be uh, the third uh, it'll be the fourth annual Mom's Basement Christmas video. So uh, we're planning on following up and like closing out the Christmas chapter. I don't know if you saw last year's Christmas video happened, but it only happened on the Mom's Basement um, Christmas special. But. I don't want to blow it cause you got to kind of like watch our segment, but, uh, the character of Simmons claws has been a recurring character for our Christmas video. And, uh, this year we're going to bring every, everything together in a different way. Come, uh, come Christmas on mom's basement, uh, uh, uh on their like Christmas special.
2: I, I do think that my favorite part is when you guys go door to door and do the caroling, but you're oh. singing Jason songs.
1: That was real, yeah. That was real. This is just me fucking in my neighborhood
2: for sure. Yeah, they're like Casey. They're out on the lawn singing. I, I want to be an asshole to their neighbors with acoustic guitars, and I was just laughing so hard because I was like, "Man, those neighbors have got to be pissed."
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Jim 3D was wearing his big kiss boots, yeah. and he fell over like for real. And uh, yeah, man, it was ridiculous. And that's like. I think uh, the neighbors just understand that that's, there's a lot of weird shit that happens in that house with uh, Jason's masks because it's, it's it's never ending over there. Like, we filmed the one this video and we had, you know, police lights on top of the van and I was, like, kicking the door in and throwing the Christmas tree out and cars were, like, driving by. I know they were, like, what the fuck is happening with like, the SWAT in this year and, like... You know, just crazy (laughs) fucking shit all the time.
2: So, uh, you got any questions over there, Casey? Uh, Yeah,
0: so you mentioned uh, Kay Fabe before we got started here. Are you a pro wrestling fan?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I am, uh, you know, pro wrestling had a a profound impact on me back in the 80s. You know, I was born in 1981. So, um, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm a Hulkamaniac from way back. I grew up loving Kamala and, I like nice. weird, cool, like, jobbers like Adam Bomb and, you know, uh, Nails. I like the characters. You know, when it when it turned into wrestling just being, like, a guy whose name was his name, I didn't give a fuck anymore. I want Kamala <laughs> the Ugandan Giant. You know, I, I like that stuff. So, certainly, you know, this probably wouldn't, you know, this, like, Kiss and pro wrestling and us talking shit on bands and all this stuff, like, it's definitely born out of that. Now I have, uh, subsequently gone back and watched some AEW and I was like into it for a while. And I've kind of fallen off in the past year or so, you know, and I don't know if you guys are aware, but me, Jason 3D, two members of a band called the black Russians and a drummer from a band called the Connie Dungs did a record called Von Erick's and it's nice. a wrestling themed punk record. And, um, we had a bunch of cool guests like Pat Termite, Cody Lillington, and a bunch of cool people. But that was born out of, like, you know, Black Russians kind of came up with that concept, and then we ran with it. And I was watching a lot of wrestling for that. too. almost had a resurgence of my love of pro wrestling, digging into a lot of those characters. My favorite tag team of all time is Demolition. So I got to write a song about those guys. People always say, like, oh, yo, the Road Warriors are better. Here's what I say. Fucking punks wear leather, jocks wear shoulder pads. So fuck the warriors <laughs> and uh, demolition outlived them too. So fuck them. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, man. Yeah, we just had uh, Al Burke on the show uh, two weeks ago. He was a jobber for the WWF back in the a- late '80s and early '90s.
1: Yeah, man. I listened to that episode actually. Like, I, uh, I, because I was like, yo, I need to just kind of prepare to make sure that I'm not coming on here and and doing things wrong. So I listened to his episode. What a cool motherfucker, man. What a yeah,
0: motherfucker. he was. Yeah. yeah, he's uh he's got some stories that he can't tell on on air that are much better than the ones he told on air.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, man. That life, you know, like I look at that and it's just like that's not a life that anybody could live these days. It's the same thing as old school rock star life. You know, I once heard a story about Dennis Rodman where uh You know, when he was playing basketball, a motherfucker was a rock star and he he walked into a room and just went, who am I fucking tonight? And it was true. Like, you could walk in and say that. Now you can't live that life. And, you know, in, in some ways, it's like good. You know, I look at pro wrestling and how these guys destroyed their bodies for the business, destroyed their lives, destroyed their fucking, you know, drugs and alcohol and steroids and, you know, insane, you know, macho man, insane. And I think, you know, thank God those times are over, right? But at the same time, you can't help but go, God damn, it was so good then. You
0: know, <laughs> it was so much fun back then.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I just saw Lex Luger yesterday, actually, at a in Tallahassee here. He's at a Comic Con, and it's just so sad to to see the, you know, how he looks from now, from the way that he used to look. It's just, yeah. You know, they put their bodies through so much shit.
1: Oh, for sure, man, and you know, like that's what I, you know, like again, you know, to to romanticize it a little bit, you know, they die for that business, and you know, it's it's the idea of dying for a little piece of greatness, you know, you get to be a god, but you pay the fucking price. And um, when I was writing the, I wrote a song on Von Eric's about um about fucking Carrie Von Eric called uh, uh, "Texas Tornado," and like I felt like you know. And now we've got a fucking Von Erichs movie coming out. I can't wait. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just reading about where his head must have been. And, you know, the guy lost a fucking foot and he's still yeah. wrestling. And, like, I don't know, man. I, I felt a lot of, like, you know, not to get too fucking artsy or too emo about it, but, like, I felt a lot for these people, you know, just when I was writing about it and, you know, this idea of, like, the life that you live and how fucking kind of sad it is in some ways that you know these people like ended up cold and alone and alienated and you know they didn't give a Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck about any of them you know not one single fuck real man you know and um, that's a whole different thing you know like we lo- we look at Virgil. And people like to laugh at Virgil because, ah, oh, he's out here, you know, and you're like, no, this motherfucker, you know, I and one day I'm going to write a Virgil song and it's going to be like, yo, I'm Virgil, fuck you. I, you know, what? <laughs> because uh it, it's like this guy, you know, he's not just somebody to be fucking thrown away, but a lot of these wrestlers were, look at Sonny, you know, that's fucking trash yeah. me, man. People are like, oh. oh, she's a fucking whore and she's a horrible person. It's like, no, man, that business fucking chewed her up and spit her out. And, um, yeah. She's just like the fucking Ultimate Warrior, just like fucking Macho Man Randy Savage. She she gave her life for that fucking business, too. And I think, like, you know, w- thankfully, you know, I don't think a lot of modern pro wrestlers have to go through that. Kenny Omega, when he retires, he's going to be fucking streaming and playing video games and watching <laughs> or whatever the fuck he does. But when I see Kenny Omega, I don't go, that man's a fucking god. I don't. Nobody does. Because... Uh-huh to get to that level you kind of have to you kind of have to live it and fuck I wouldn't want to live that I wouldn't want to fucking nah. live that
0: No. Nah. Kenny Omega is pretty fucking good though
1: Yeah great great pro wrestler right and you see him and you're like I, he is great at doing what he does uh but you know you always know that it, it, there's a there's a core of stability there whereas Macho Man or somebody like that you're just like this this guy is there's no separation, you know, they're right. Yeah. You know, I met demolition though. And it's like, you know, they're still alive. They're still partners. They're still like beautiful human beings, grateful. And when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, man, we're just, you know, we're like garbage, men. you know, we're feeding our fucking families. And like some of those dudes who were able to keep that are the guys you see today. Right. Like the dudes that are still living the guys, you know, a Johnny, I always quote this Johnny rotten said, Uh, When they asked him how he was still living, he said only the fake survive, right? So because if you really live that life, it eats you up and and fucking spits you out. And that's how demolition is still alive, man. They weren't they weren't into the fucking drugs. They weren't fucking ring rats. They weren't doing that stuff. (laughs) They were on the road. They were fucking feeding their families. And, you know, the business didn't chew them up and spit them out. But at the same time. You know, if they had bought into their characters, you know, I remember when the team like disbanded, and all of a sudden you got the fucking Repo Man and shit. Yeah. But they were okay because they never tried to be. They may never their head never went there. Some of them couldn't couldn't do it. You know, fucking Bret. Yeah. That dude's fucking cool, but he believed he was the fucking champion, and now he's bitter as fuck because he it that way. You know,
0: so bitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, man.
0: Yeah. And like, look at Ric Flair, like some of those guys, like they, they don't know anything else. You know what I mean? Like Ric Flair just signed with AEW again. And like <laughs> people are talking like that um, when he had his last match, like he wanted to die in the ring to like secure his legacy. And like, now yeah. there's all kinds of talk. Like, is he going to wrestle
1: again? And it's like,
0: cause he doesn't know anything else, you know?
1: No. And uh, I can't imagine how hard that would be to, you know, you are treated like a God for years. <laughs> And then you have to give it up because, you know, eventually time comes for everybody. But like, I don't know. Uh I don't know what that would feel like, you know, to go from like, you know, Ric Flair was that guy. Who am I fucking tonight? Everybody. That's yeah. Rick Flair. Um and he never he never had to keep his head on straight. But yeah, man, now at the end of his life. And that's what I thought a lot about writing that Von Eric shit was just like. What it must feel like in the locker room afterwards and shit, you know. That's the interesting stuff to me—the psychology behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, man, I could talk uh, pro wrestling with you for a long time, man. So, but I don't want—I don't want to keep you too long here. Uh, who, so, who who makes your masks? You, you, do you guys make your own masks or?
1: Um no, so the ones that we wear currently, uh, there's a guy uh, named uh, Jeremy Askew. And, um, if you go on Instagram and I highly recommend you go on his page and give it a like, cause he's, he's amazing. His name's Jeremy Askew and it's Askew Tattoo. And, um, he designs all of our leather stage gear. Like, so currently my, I wear like a full leather, like Venom, like a gauntlet with spikes and shit. He designs and makes that. He designs and paints our masks. Like he came up with, you know, like I kind of told him what we wanted for the Saint and Cells masks. And it's all custom work. He uses the original molds. And then he does, like, custom paint jobs. He does custom straps. Um, In terms of, like, every Halloween show we play, he does, um, we do different masks. Like, this year, we were the point break guys. So, we had hockey masks with the president faces on top. He does all of those. Um, Just a cool, creative person that uh, also does a lot of cool tattoo work. He's done a bunch of my tattoos and stuff um so at this point we work with him there's another dude i do want to shout out though his name's Frightus fx his name's john gerald he did a bunch of our stuff he did a couple masks for the blood in the streets and he's amazing too um we we were using him and jeremy and then on the last run we it was easier to go through jeremy but both of those guys are good because to me there's a lot of mask makers out here who who have, you know, like, uh, you know, cursed hockey studios and shit. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. But, you know, my thing is, are they from the original molds? If the answer is no, then you're just getting chintzy uh, fucking uh, Alibaba masks and repainting them, which is cool if you just want a cool paint job. But I want something that comes from the original mold. So uh, askew does it and uh righteous FX does it so both both dudes i would endorse highly in terms of good quality shit
0: awesome man very cool man one more wrestling thing i just sure. popped into my head have you checked out uh the nwa yet uh billy corgan's been running that
1: yo you know i i have been meaning to um back when we were writing von eric's everybody was like yo check out nwa and i i it was kind of like a bummer, man. I like, checked it out, and I, it was when the, the the question mark was pretty big, and I was like, "Yo, this guy's crazy and cool." And then he fucking died, and I was like bummed yeah. out. And uh, so I never really revisited. I hear uh, Eddie Kingston came from there, which is cool, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, Eddie Kingston's one of those dudes where you look at him and you're like, "Who's this fucking dork?" And then he opens his mouth, and you're like, yeah, oh. "I know, I like Eddie a lot." Yeah man, I I like a wrestler that can uh, that's good on the mic. Honestly, uh, you know, while we're on that subject, Eddie Kingston's great on the mic. I think fucking John Moxley's great on the mic. I know a lot of people hate on John Moxley cuz he fucking bleeds all the time. But uh like for me, I'm like I I don't that dude's amazing on the microphone whereas, you know, some some people uh, you know, they got the look and I would probably put Kenny Omega in that category too. He's amazing but on the microphone it is not great you know and so like i think you know i really respect wrestlers who can talk shit and when i hear yeah. john moxley say he's going to like drink your fucking blood i think he's gonna <laughs> blood you know i like that guy yeah. Um, yeah
0: i like moxley on the on the microphone i'm not a big fan of his uh, wrestling and then the bleeding like the the just uh i don't care about the bleeding just you know try not to be so obvious about doing it right in front of the camera you know yeah.
1: Yeah, You know what killed it? Honestly, man, if I'm going to be honest, what killed my love of AEW? Because like, I was really behind it because I just discovered it when it was brand new. I hadn't watched wrestling for years, like probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Like, last the here, last, last match I watched was fucking um, Satanic Undertaker, and I liked that shit, but then I was like, ah, I'm good. So I go all these years, I discover AEW, I buy in, and we're doing the exploding barbed wire match, and yo, <laughs> For me, like, I was like, how are they going to do it? Because I used to get, like, you know, super leather face versus the Sheik and shit. I used to get those VHS tapes. So, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, spoiler alert, it's a great match. You know, they're rolling around in fucking barbed wire, and then they're doing the countdown. The ring's going to explode. And there were, like, three fireworks that yeah. were <laughs> so sad and underwhelming and honestly i'm not joking when i say i went to bed depressed i was like well jim Cornette's gonna shit all over this in the morning and he's gonna be right and i was sad i never i never reclaimed it you know then cm punk came in i never watched him to begin with and then he yeah me neither off and then he left and he came back and yep still a fucking jerk off i don't know And uh you know and like I said, you know, the whole time Jim Cornette shits on everything and he's fucking right every time, you
0: know. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same way. Same way, man. I didn't watch it for 20 years. I I I got into pro wrestling uh right out of high school. I was a independent wrestler around uh Pennsylvania where I lived and then I stopped watching it and then uh, AEW came around and I started watching it again. Um and I still watch it every week, but I'm I'm starting to it's like it's just high spot after high spot after high spot, you know, and, um, I've been watching the NWA stuff for the last couple of months. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, old school, you know, they still have occasional high spots here and there, but it's, it's like the old school pro wrestling, you know, and, and in the, in the studios in Tennessee, it's, you know, it, may, it has that old school feel, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah man. And I, uh, that's cool that you were an indie wrestler man so you're from uh Pennsylvania I'm I'm not far from Pittsburgh and I hear there's a good indie scene there right now but like there was a time before I started Renfields where I thought I was going to be a pro wrestler and I was like serious about it because I'm tall I'm like six foot five six foot four whatever and I'm definitely not muscular but I could have got there maybe but um I called around to wrestling schools and I was like serious about it. And there was one in my area and he's like, yeah, man, come down, fucking take some bumps. And I was like really, really close. And I never did, but here's this, this is just a dumb random story about how I stopped watching indie wrestling and it's my own fault. So I used to like indie wrestling, but I couldn't watch it too much. I would see it on the internet And I was messaging, I was like a teenager, you know, 16, 17, messaging all these indie wrestlers and just connecting with them. And there was this dude, I don't know whatever happened to him. His name was Vladimir Vampire. V-A-M-P-Y-R. I was like, this guy's fucking cool. I was a little, like, gothy metalhead kid. He was a vampire. And I messaged him. I'd seen him in one of his videos. I'm like, yo, you're my favorite wrestler, blah, blah. And he was super cool. Could I possibly, please, Vladimir Vampire, get an autographed photo from you? I'll pay you. No worries, man. He says, I will send it to you for free. And I said, thank you so much, fan for life, Jason V. And I sent the email. And then I never heard anything. And I was like, what happened, man? He won't respond to my shit. So I go back, as you do, and I'm like, what did I? Maybe make sure I didn't type something wrong. Well, I did type something wrong. I don't know what my fucking fingers were doing at the time, boys. I thought I said fan for life Jason V, right? I typed, and I don't know how this happened, gay for life Jason V. And I'm pretty sure Vladimir Vampire thought I was fucking with him and never said anything back. So, Vladimir Vampire, uh, send me your photo. I really am a fan. I'll suck your dick if you want me to. Just give me the photo. I don't know what fucking happened.
2: Let's see if we can track this guy down, Casey. Oh, I, I, we're, oh, I'm yeah. the fucking king of tracking
0: people. Oh, down. Yeah. I will find this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah man. Man, this I has would, been
0: I, awesome, dude. Pl- would, plugs, would, where, where can internet. people find you? All that stuff. Uh, future
1: projects? Yeah, man. Uh, so people can find us at uh, on Instagram at the Jason's Band. Uh, we've got uh, the jasons.bigcartel.com, I think. Um, our home label is Mom's Basement Records here in the United States. Uh, our label over in Europe is I Buy Records. Uh, but uh, you can pretty much uh, – everything that comes out comes out on Mom's Basement Records. They're like the, the premier, like, Ramones core punk label. They work with a bunch of fucking cool bands. They just released Ghost Party. Um, they've done uh, Covert Flops, a bunch of cool stuff like that. Um, we got Saint and Cells coming out uh pretty soon um we've got a bunch of shows coming up you can follow our fucking social media for that jason 3d runs all that stuff um we also uh started a new heavy metal band called lord humongous you can find that on instagram lord humongous thrash uh it's uh three out of uh three out of uh uh, four jasons plus one renfield um additionally uh what else we got coming up um i think that's about it man uh we're always playing shows forever we will play wherever we can uh if you want to book the jasons just send us a message and uh yeah man uh like we're we're really out there online so if you're following our instagram and our facebook you can pretty much uh keep track of everything we do thanks thank you to social media for sure
0: yeah Thank you, man. This has been awesome. I learned a lot tonight.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate uh, you having me on here and uh, appreciate all the fucking knowledge that you have. Because usually when we do something like this, I'm like, is this going to be one of those things where people have literally no clue who my band is? <laughs> wow. Usually it happens. So I appreciate that you guys are, are down with it.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I know who you are. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll see you on December 30th here in uh, Cleveland at no class.
1: Fuck
2: yeah, man. Love Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you, man.
1: Thanks, guys. Yeah. Later. Later.